Welcome on everybody to the only podcast that you should listen to Sports Voice After Dark. I'm here to give the people what they want. Well then fine! That's what you want, then let's have it out right now! Our SPAD Athlete of the Year, Nick Kyrgios. Mate, there is music playing in the crowd while we are playing! So I've told you seven times! I mean, I do have to appreciate the fact that you showed up for this show with no working laptops and eating out of a box of leftover pizza. Are you ready? Life's too short to take the under. Sad if it had a live audience, half the time would just get booed. Why is something called Joe Ingles making no, no, don't you dare! Don't you dare with this slander! I'm really into this this curling thing. Dude, Watch Big Sky was down yesterday. They had a lit game against Northern Colorado and I couldn't even watch, watch it. Watch Big Sky was down. You, you, something is wrong with you! Yes! Sir, it I'll doesn't make any sense! Draft your ideal NBA starting five based on 20 heroes that are slated to appear in the new Infinity War movie. I think that you have to find the LeBron James in this draft. I think clearly that is Black Panther. He's got the quickness, he's got the speed, you talk about that leadership. Thanks for watching my movies. Welcome on in everybody to another edition of Sports Voice After Dark. We've got an exciting show planned, we're going to talk some NFL some World Series, and then a special segment that we will tell you more about later. But for now, let me introduce our host. We have Ethan Ford joining us for a second time. Excited to be here. Last time you were here was the Avengers uh, NBA draft, one of our better episodes. And uh, help remind me, jogging my memory, when we put that in on Twitter poll, do you remember whose team won? Oh, man. I don't remember whose team won. I know I didn't. I know I didn't. I think... I think... Frederick might have won. I think his team might have pulled out the victory there. Not sure that's true. I think I won. Oh, really? I did. Okay. I, I just wow. remembered. You helped me jog my memory. Okay. So, yeah, it was me. We'll see. We'll, we'll tell you more about We have another similar uh, draft segment coming up. Equally exciting. You've picked two good episodes to be a part of, Ethan. So, you know, this could be your shot at redemption maybe to, uh, to take me down. Well, we'll see. I hope so. I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. Also joining us is Jess Vitti. Jess, after scrubbing through the SFAD archives, I am convinced you're the first female guest ever on uh, SFAD. So excited, a lot yeah. of pressure. How are you feeling? Um, I'm excited. It is a little bit of pressure. I just want to prove that girls can talk about sports too. Uh, so yeah. That's awesome. And if you've listened to SFAD, you would know there's absolutely no pressure. It's hard to do worse than talking with Austin Miller and Matt McHugh about Nicolas Cage movies. And I'm sure you will not be like that. So uh, we'll get right into it. Our first segment is uh, the NFL. Just kind of going over um, what happened in week seven. So we're almost halfway through the season. Just general impressions so far. Just a lot happened this week. What was the one story that stood out for you uh, from week seven? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was definitely Blake Bortles. And, you know, the Jaguars are just in this downward spiral right now. And, um, you know, I don't really know that Cody Kessler is the answer for them. So they have a lot to figure out before, you know, the, the next com the coming games. Yeah, it's crazy. And they started out the season so strong, that week two performance against the Patriots. But, you know, I agree. Now they're just kind of in a limbo here. Blake Bortles has not been the answer. And he's really struggled, I think, missing uh, Leonard Fournette at running back. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have that dominant running back to fall back on. But... I agree. We've seen nothing from Cody Kessler in his career so far that suggests no. he's the answer. Ethan, what are, you, what are you making so far of what we're seeing in Jacksonville? Was last year just a f complete fluke? I really hope it wasn't because they were such a fun team to watch last year. Their defense was so dominant, and they had a great cast of characters like Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Clayus Campbell. It's such a fun team that I hope it's not the end. But the reason it worked 
so well last year was because the defense was so dominant, because they could rely on their run game with Leonard Fournette, and because Blake Bortles didn't turn over the football, and now none of that is working out. The defense has not played as well as they did last year. Leonard Fournette has been really hampered by a hamstring injury, and Blake Bortles has really struggled to hold on to the football. He had two fumbles uh, on Sunday before being benched and, repla- uh, and being replaced by Cody Kessler. So things are not great in Jacksonville. And I, it, it's almost night and day what this team looked like in week two when they just trounced the Patriots and what they look like now. And a couple weeks ago, they got just destroyed by the Cowboys 40-7. to It's like two different teams. And I, I don't really know which one is the real Jaguars team. Agreed. And I think, um, you know, with with this team, I think that they still have so much potential. And it's not over. The AFC South is one of the tightest races in football. I mean, they have they have a chance, but they just need to do something about the quarterback. I mean, they, they can't get anywhere with Blake Bortles. I'm sorry. They, sh- they, they should have known that this was coming. Luckily for Blake Bortles, this week the Jags are traveling to London to play the Eagles, a team that we'll get into, but facing kind of similar struggles in that they completely exceeded expectations last year, won a Super Bowl, and are really kind of experiencing that classic Super Bowl hangover to start this year. But if ever there was a time where they would be able to correct it, it's Blake Bortles in London. He's just proven that the Jags in London are a completely different team. He's a completely different quarterback. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like having a passionate fan base supporting him there at all times which you know he didn't always have in Jacksonville but Ethan if ever there was a time I think where Blake Bortles could you know shrug off the haters and rebound and come back with a really rebound performance I think uh it's in London right it has to be I mean he, Doug Marone their head coach said he was on a short leash this weekend and he's gonna have to prove himself again he's had he's faced a lot of pressure and a lot of heat from the media from fans throughout his NFL career. He was drafted number three overall. So I would say that this is his shot to to bounce back and to get the Jaguars back on track because with without Leonard Fournette, without Leonard Fournette, without the defense playing as well, and they're gonna play a good offense in the in the Eagles. Carson Wentz had a great weekend last weekend. But he needs to step up. He needs to face the music, face the pressure, and exceed expectations because right now they're they're pretty rock bottom. Yeah, but luckily for the Jags, and Jesse mentioned it, AFC South seems completely wide open right now. Texans on a four-game winning streak, which no one saw coming after the way they started the year. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a little more into division races later, but I'll, I'll turn to you again, Jess, in terms of what, what do you think is the second biggest story from this you know, week of NFL action that you took a takeaway that you think is, uh, you know, stands out to you? Uh, within the AFC South or? No, just in, in general, NFL, anything else? Yeah, so I mean, we have obviously the Oakland Raiders, another team that's kind of going down the drain right now. Um, Amari Cooper was traded and there weren't really, John Gruden was pretty, I guess, um, ambiguous with the, with the media about what was going on there. And then, you know, it ends up coming out that he's been traded and, so now there are lots of questions about, is Derek Carr going to get traded? What's going on with this organization? And so um, I think this year for the Oakland Raiders is definitely going to be, you know, just get through it, get to the end of it, and then we'll see what happens next season. Yeah, and I mean, you saw the writing on the wall in the preseason when they traded Khalil Mack, but I don't know if yeah. anyone expected it to be this bad. But this recent Amari Cooper trade, Ethan, 
I mean, compared to some of these other moves we've seen Gruden make, not the worst, not the worst move. We've kind of seen that narrative shift a little bit with Gruden after this Cooper trade, haven't we? Yeah, I think a little bit. I was stunned when they got a first-round pick for him, and frankly, I'm not sure what the Cowboys were doing. I mean, the Patriots got Josh Gordon for a fifth-round pick, and I think Josh Gordon is more talented than Amari Cooper. He's, I mean, he had his off-the-field issues, but he's <laughs> produced more lately than Amari Cooper has, given all his off-the-field issues, which tells you something about Amari Cooper's struggles the past two seasons. Um, I think the Cowboys also could have sent a fourth-round pick to Miami if they wanted Devontae Parker and hoped that a change of scenery would have like tapped into the first-round potential that so many thought Devontae Parker had. So I was really stunned that the Cowboys gave up a first-round pick. I mean, they needed a number-one wide receiver. Michael Gallup had a good weekend, but he's not proven. He's a rookie. Sure. So maybe Amari Cooper, he has two Pro Bowl appearances, can provide that number-one receiver that they were missing without Des Bryant. But it just seemed like a first-round pick was expensive. And good for the Raiders for getting it. They now have three first-round picks in the 2019 draft. So maybe they can start building something, like start building from, stra- from scratch, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think that's what they need to do. And I think, you know, this trade really does tell you more about the Cowboys and how they feel about their team, the fact that they were willing to give up such, such high real, like good real estate for Amari Cooper. I think it tells you that, you know, Dak, they really think he needs some help out there. Yeah, you saw them kind of go through these first seven weeks with the wide receiver by committee approach, which I'm not sure if we've ever seen work successfully. You kind of have to have a, a go-to guy with a quarterback, especially a young quarterback like Dak. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I was just thinking, what were, what are the Cowboys doing? I mean, this is not a playoff team. That pick was going to be top 15 or higher. And instead, they're just trading it for Amari Cooper, who, I mean, you mentioned it, Ethan. You could have probably... I mean, you could have waited out the Raiders and gotten him for a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, even if the, if Gruden really just wanted to get him off his hands. Um, so, yeah, c- credit to John Gruden and the Raiders for making, finally, a good, a smart move, just completely gutting that team that, as many, I mean, forget that two years ago with Derek Carr was an MVP candidate before he got hurt, and, you know, they were in line to potentially get a first-round bye, and all of a sudden, two years later, the core of this team is just going away. Jess, are you if you're Der- if you're Derek Carr at all, are you worried about your future in Oakland? <laughs> um, you know, I would be a little bit. I mean, he doesn't he have the most interceptions this season, most turnovers this season. I mean, he hasn't really proven himself. I'd I'd say that his career really started going downhill uh after he got hurt um a couple seasons ago and yeah, I would certainly be concerned about the fact that, you know, obviously Gruden is trying to rebuild. Um, his teammates have kind of, there's been some stuff in the media about questions about him and the whole team, and so I'd be worried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now you see it's great that the Raiders have three first-round picks, three picks that will potentially be, you know, fairly good picks. I think right now they were doing the, um, with the Bears falling last week from first in the NFC North to last, I think they would have somewhere around like the third, the ninth, and the 15th picks. Great for John Gruden, but also if there's anyone I trust to screw up these picks, it's John Gruden, the man who, you know, years ago was saying Johnny Manziel should have been the first pick. Ethan, what do you, how confident are you that Gruden pulls off uh, these next two drafts and, you know, is able to actually steer the Raiders in the right direction? I'm not so sure, just because he was heavily criticized for the Khalil Mack trade, and then he comes and says, it's really hard to find a good pass rusher in the NFL. Yeah, it's true. And everyone was saying, well, you had one, (laughs) and then you gave him away. 
he is recognized as a as a kind of a quarterback guru, and so maybe he can find if if he doesn't think Derek Carr is his guy, uh, maybe he can find someone in the draft like Justin Herbert from Oregon or Will Greer from West Virginia and build his team around there, around those guys or one of those guys. But I don't know. I, he hasn't drafted in the NFL in ten years, mm-hmm. and I I just don't know if he if the game has passed him by. So we'll see. It's he's got he's got a lot of picks to work with. So the opportunity is there. Agreed. And then you know even we're seeing after this trade now with all this you know the stockpile of picks Raiders have comparisons. Gruden maybe he's the next Sam Hinkie. You know people were criticizing <laughs> him at first in Philly with the Sixers, and all of a sudden now he's the um, the man who died for you know Joel um, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to succeed. So. Who knows? I don't see it personally. I think that the Raiders have a lot of holes that even three picks in the first round can't can't fix. But, you know, if you do want to move on from Derek Carr and just completely blow this team up, I think that there's a lot of teams that, uh, you know, that could use a quarterback right now. We already talked about the Jaguars. Just kind of changing gears a little, Ethan, your team, the uh, Miami Dolphins, might, might be one of those teams. Where do you stand right now on the Tannehill versus Osweiler debate that, you know, the, the world, America can't seem to get enough of? <laughs> I have to say that I'd prefer Tannehill over both Carr and Osweiler. Really? Um, uh, I know Dolphins fans like to go back to this stat a lot, but before he was injured in in 2016, the Dolphins were rolling. And yes, Jay probably single-handedly won them three games, one against the Steelers and two against the Bills in 2016, but Tannehill was the quarterback, and he was the leader of that offense, and he had to win the other five games that he was able to win for the Dolphins that year um, before getting injured. And so I, I'm not sure he's the guy, and I wouldn't be surprised if if the Dolphins' season doesn't work out like they hope it to. They're 4-3 and three right now, so still in, still in contention for a playoff spot, but I, I imagine them falling off a little bit, falling out of playoff contention, and possibly getting a top 15 pick where a quarterback could be available and I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Gase pulls the trigger and takes someone like Justin Herbert, Will Greer. So I, I, don't, I don't think any of those three guys would solve, are going to solve the problems in Miami. Jess, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in either Brock Osweiler or Ryan Tannehill as a feasible NFL starting quarterback moving uh, forward? I'm a 4. <laughs> um, I, I think that Brock, Was- Brock Osweiler has already had the opportunities you know in Houston he had a chance he blew it he he's had his time and he just he has not been able to make it work so definitely not a Brock Osweiler believer Tannehill I mean he just I don't think that he really came back from that injury ever he's just not the same so yeah I I I don't know if either of them are the answer for the Dolphins yeah, I mean, you're kind of at a crossroads here because I'm looking at it. Uh, Tannehill's scheduled to make around $40 million these next through 2020, so the next two years after this season. And I don't really know what you do if you're the Dolphins. As long as Brady's in that division, you're probably not winning the AFC East. So it seems like now is as good a time as ever to, if you're going to blow it up, blow it up, you know, regroup, kind of doing what the Jets are doing now, get a young quarterback project, wait the Patriots out, and hope that when Tom Brady retires and Belichick leaves – your team is, you know, ready to take that division by storm. Is that kind of depressing, Ethan, as a, as a Dolphins fan, to, like, play it out and wait? Or what, what would you say moving forward? You know, it would be depressing if I wasn't, like, 
used to it at this point in my <laughs> 19 years of life um seeing two playoff appearances really remembering two playoff appearances i think they actually made the playoffs in 2000 but i was very young <laughs> um i would say i would say the the dolphins should probably follow a similar path to the jets finding trying to find a franchise quarterback in the draft they could cut Tannehill, and i think they would lose about 15 million dollars in dead money on their salary cap um if they decided to cut him after this season. So I, my guess is they wouldn't cut him. My guess is they would do something where they draft a quarterback and just kind of let him sit and develop, and under, develop Tannehill. under Tannehill. Sure. And maybe that even if they have another bad year, it's not like it's not like the Dolphins are like really expecting to contend right away. So that even if they have another bad year next year, they get another high draft pick. Perhaps it's a skill player that the rookie quarterback can develop. A nice connection with then maybe you can go somewhere from there but the Dolphins have a lot of holes it's not like one quarterback is gonna is gonna fix it I agree especially that last part the Dolphins do have a lot of holes yes and no offense I think we, we've talked about the Dolphins more than I would have liked um, that's okay so far they are not the most exciting team this that's season true. definitely true so let's move on Jess to some of the teams that have really impressed so far. Yeah. I think there's one overwhelming team that stands out, but you know, you want to just kind of go through which teams to you have really stood out through seven weeks as kind of the favorites um, in All the right. NFL. So we have obviously the Rams, 7 and 0. That's, I mean, there's not much to say. They're just amazing. Um, <clears throat> we have the Chiefs and the Patriots, as always, as per usual. But um, for me, um, for the Chiefs, um, you know, what I'm looking for for them is. You've got a young quarterback, and so far he's proven himself. You know, um, I, w- I would have loved if they had beaten the Patriots because then I really would have been convinced that they're the real deal. But something just happens to the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs every single year, and they just, you know, they don't produce in the playoffs. So that's what I'm looking for from the Chiefs. If they stay, stay on top, if Mahomes stays rolling, I want to see them do well in the playoffs and sh- show me that they are a really good team that's what I want. <laughs> and I mean lucky for the Chiefs obviously that game in week six against the Patriots was in New England it seems like they're in position right now as the clear front runner in the AFC to get home field advantage to have the playoffs go through Arrowhead I think especially with a rookie quarterback Ethan it's, that's a huge advantage right if you're Andy Reid are you going for it foot on the gas pedal through week 17 or however long it takes you to get that first round by like how big of a difference do you think that makes with a team that has you know, a lot of young core players and, you know, Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill hasn't played in a lot of playoff games. Are you just – how big of a deal is it to get that home field advantage, do you think? I think it's huge, especially with just the wear and tear that an NFL season has. Having that extra week just to rest and perhaps get healthier as a team would be super important. Um, but really, I think the problems that the Chiefs have had and really Andy Reid has had – I mean, I don't think he's ever won a Super Bowl – he lost with the Eagles. He won one in Green Bay when he was, like, not the head coach. Gotcha. So he was a part of that staff, but it wasn't his team. Gotcha. Okay. So so he's never he's never led a team to a Super Bowl. He's an offensive genius. And, I mean, he made Alex Smith a top-five quarterback in the NFL. And now I think he actually has a far more talented and just, like, truly gifted player. I mean, Patrick Mahomes makes 50-yard throws look effortless with just a flick of his wrist. I mean, it's, it's honestly beautiful to watch. So I, I would say that that first-round bye would be really important for that team, and I think it would maybe take some pressure off Mahomes playing at, 
playing at home, playing at Arrowhead, where they have one of the loudest fan bases in the NFL, that, that, would, that would just be a huge advantage for a young quarterback in the playoffs. I totally agree, especially when you're facing, you know, just a perpetual uh, dynasty in the Patriots. You, can, you need all that. You need everything on your side, and I think to have it run through KC, which they're in a position to do right now, is a huge advantage. Kind of changing, uh, let's move to the NFC. You mentioned the Rams, Jess. Yeah. I'm going to read to both of you the Rams' next five games, and I want to tell, and I want you to tell me if you see a loss in there. Okay. This week we have home against the Packers. The next week we have at New Orleans. We have home against the Seahawks, and then against the Chiefs in Mexico City. So not the easiest uh, next four games. And they have then finally is their bye week twelve. But if out of a combination of Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Pat Mahomes, do you think any one of those four quarterbacks can hand the Rams their first loss this season, or is this team just too well rounded to be stumbled by that? I think if they were to lose to anybody, it would probably be. I'd put my money on the Saints. Um, I mean, it's an away game. They're in New Orleans. Drew Brees and the Saints, what, it's a five-game win streak right now. Um, Yeah, I I think that they have maybe the most complete team out of any of those ones that you mentioned. Oh, you said the Chiefs too, right? Chiefs, yeah, Um, in Mexico City. That one could be another one where I could see a potential loss. And, you know, I, I think that the NFL will definitely brand that game as a potential Super Bowl preview. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Chiefs won. If that's listed as a home game for the Rams. Mm-hmm. And so when I was first looking at their schedule, I was like, oh, they get them in L.A. That's big. The Coliseum can be rocking for the Rams. I don't know if you watched the Thursday night game with the Minnesota Vikings, but they were extremely loud. The, the Rams fans, and maybe they're winning over some of the the fan base in Los Angeles, which is typically like Raider Nation, <laughs> which is bizarre, but that, it is. It, lots of Raiders fans in L.A. Anyway. None left for the Chargers. Yes. <laughs> n- never, an, never any Chargers fans to begin with in okay. L.A., unfortunately. Um, but I would say probably that Chiefs game, given that it's at a neutral location, and the I think the Chiefs offense can keep up with the Rams offense I'm not so sure the the Saints can the Saints lost at home to the Buccaneers 48-40 in week one and that was of course with Fitz Magic who was who just took the league by storm those first three weeks and it was so fun to watch especially that awesome press conference but (laughs) I think I think the Rams would be able to outpace that game excuse me outpace the Saints in that game just because their defense is much better than the Buccaneers defense is and their offense is just so electric Electric with Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, and Jared Goff is blossoming into this top 10 quarterback that I think they really hoped he would become. And that's all, all credit is due to Sean McVay. He has done yeah. an unbelievable job for that team. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely terrifying in that, you know, if, Brand, if Brandon Cooks goes down, Cooper Cup goes down, another guy's there to step up. If, you know, uh, Jared Goff's having an off day, then Todd Gurley's there to pick up the pace. And, oh, by the way, you have the best coach in the NFL who has the best offensive game plan. I mean, just week in and week out, it seems like there's not a recipe for this team to lose. I mean, looking at these next four games, I think that there's going to be a loss in there somewhere. Saints, I agree, seems uh, probably the most likely, so I agree with you, Jess. But also that, I mean, that KC game, I think, is going to be hyped up so much, and it's going to be a complete shootout. Because Mahomes, I mean, no one's going to be able to stop him, but also that Chiefs defense against the Rams just seems not good. And then, I mean, also that Seahawks, I mean, they only, in uh, Seattle in week five, 
the Rams won by two. And that was the one where uh, McVay opted to go for it on fourth and one. So that could be close. And I'm never going to count out Aaron Rodgers week week eight. So <laughs> I don't I don't know. Uh, I think that they lose one of them. I don't think it's the Packers, unfortunately. I think that, that Rams just have too much firepower, um, and the Packers' defense hasn't shown to be able to consistently make stops. Agreed. Not, never a good formula when you're facing the best offense in the league. But, like I said, never counting out Rodgers. Hard to count out Breeze at home. And Mahomes, who knows what to think. So if they make it through those four games, it gets really interesting because the only team left on the schedule is Philly in Week 15 that I see, I guess, at in Chicago against the Bears Week 14. But... I kind of want to touch on Philly real quick. We mentioned the Super Bowl hangover earlier. How concerned are you, Ethan, on a scale? We'll break, break out the ESPN panic meter. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much should the Eagles fans be panicking right now that maybe maybe this team doesn't make the playoffs? I would not be panicking. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm like I'm like also at a 4. Like, I, I'm not panicking too much. Carson Wentz looked really good. He threw for 310 yards and two touchdowns. Alshon Jeffrey is coming back into his own and and playing well after missing the first few weeks of the season with an injury they just kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter against the Panthers gave up 21 points ended up losing 21 17 so that's not great but their defense played well for three quarters and they're three and four and only a game and a half back of the Washington Redskins who are four and two and I, I don't really see any standout team in the NFC East and I think the Eagles have the most talent so I just, I, I just see them at the end of the season in first place. They may not get a first-round bye like last year, may not have the uh, number one overall seed, but I still see them making the playoffs. I think they're just too talented. Even, even though the run game isn't looking good, they're just too talented to miss the playoffs. Yeah, and I know, Jess, you were talking about the Cowboys earlier. I think we all, the three of us, agree that they're not really a threat to no. challenge anyone for that NFC East. But if it comes down to Redskins-Eagles, how confident are you in this Alex Smith, Adrian Peterson-led uh, Redskins team to be the team that knock, keeps Philly out of the playoffs? I, I don't know. To me, it's, to me, it's a toss-up. Um, you know, I, I struggle because I think to when I watched both teams play the Colts and, you know, the Colts beat the Redskins and they should have beaten the Eagles in my opinion. <laughs> and I just, from what I saw from both teams, I wasn't, I, I don't know, I wasn't super impressed with either of them. I can't really say that one is much better than the other or one shows much more promise than the other. You have... Sproles and you have Smallwood who are hurt on the Eagles right now and the Redskins I guess have Adrian Peterson um I, I don't know who else they have really I, I yeah I agree and that's kind of why I'm leaning toward Philly too just because yeah this team is proven this Redskins team week by week you really don't know what you're gonna get especially out of Alex Smith and it's not a good recipe moving forward especially when I think um, as more Eagles players continue to come back from injury, they're only going to get stronger. Exactly. Once those injuries get back. And I I just, I didn't see Alex Smith having a real, it it didn't seem cohesive to me, the Redskins team. That's what I'll say. I agree. And so moving on to kind of our last segment, I gave Ethan his chance to talk about the Dolphins. This is where I'm going to give you a chance, Jess. I'm thinking to talk about the Colts, but the question I'm going to pose to both of you is which division races do we think are going to be the closest down the stretch? If you want to talk about the AFC South and how if ever there was a team to rise from last place, talk about the Colts, <laughs> now is your chance. So I'd ju- love to. So I definitely think that the two races that are closest right now are the NFC North and the AFC South. 
And with the AFC South, I can talk about that a lot more in depth because I follow it every week. And, you know, I wouldn't sleep on the Colts because with Andrew Luck as quarterback, I think he can do just about anything. Their run game is finally producing. You had Marlon Mack with over 100 yards rushing the other day at Sunday. And they have one of the easier schedules in the league. You know, coming up, they have the Giants. I'm not scared of the Giants. <laughs> and, you know, um, so I just I think that the Colts could end up being a threat down the line. I think that the Texans winning four games in a row, I wasn't really expecting that. Um, but they seem to have kind of got some momentum. And, you know, they're not the, the Colts aren't the only team in the division with an easy schedule coming up. I was looking at the Texans and the Titans, and it's going to be close. I think, um, yeah, the Jaguars should definitely be worried if they don't get the Bortles situation figured out. And, um, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, and, I mean, the Titans are just a giant question mark. So as weird as it is Very to, inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> as weird as it is to say, like, a team that started 1-5 in five may not have the worst chance to make – like. It all sounds the, crazy. It does, but, I mean, I think the winner of this division could honestly be 8-8 eight and eight just because of the fact that all these teams seem to beat up on each other. Right. Like, the, the Titans play the Jags really well. The Texans have played um, the Titans really well, and – the Colts can beat anybody, it seems like. That Texans game was a toss-up. They almost beat the Eagles earlier this year. So, yeah. And they, like you said, they have a really easy schedule coming up, starting with John Gruden's Raiders that we were just talking about this yep. week. So if ever there was a team, I think, that could start 1-5 in five and make the playoffs, <laughs> it might be this Colts team. I've actually liked what I've seen from luck so far this year and the yeah. defense the defense better than normal right we're one of the youngest teams in the nfl but we have some of the most promising players we have darius leonard who is leading the nfl in tackles right now i love and he missed a game i love everything i've seen out of him and then we have mike mitchell who just signed literally two weeks ago has been on the team two weeks and was named afc defensive player of the week forcing a couple fumbles and um in the game uh the other day all against the bills the bills mm-hmm. so yeah i agree and so i think that's definitely an interesting race i'll take the one that the other one you mentioned the nfc right. north because that's <laughs> what my team the packers are in and i was talking about it earlier with you know i'm friends with fans of all the other three teams i honestly don't know if there's a scenario that would surprise me i think any one of these teams could finish in first place and any one of these teams could finish in last place with the exception of the vikings i don't see them finishing in dead last but I don't think that I think that there's a scenario where the Bears have a really easy schedule coming up and with a really good defense they could go I mean they could easily finish in first place but also Mitch Trubisky is their quarterback <laughs> the same can be said for the Lions a relatively easy schedule moving forward but it's the Detroit Lions and it's Matt you know like a first-year head coach and the Lions have just proven time and time again with Stafford to not be able to get over that hump the Packers have an absolute gauntlet of a schedule I mean they're in St. Louis this week in New England the next week, they get the Dolphins and then have to go to Seattle. But as I mentioned earlier, they have Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, so it's hard to ever just completely discount them. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I, any one of these teams, and the Vikings are a really complete team, but I mean, they've, they've had to battle their injuries. They're just getting Everson Griffin back. Um, so that, that certainly helps the defense, but also they're missing Dalvin Cook, I think, until week 11. There's not really a scenario that's gonna surprise me in this division, and I think that you know, it's by far the most competitive top to bottom, I think, of any of the uh, divisions we've seen so far this year. Ethan, is there another division that stands out to you as, like, you know, we're poised for a really close race down the stretch? 
other than those two, I don't know if any of them will be as exciting. I think mm-hmm. the NFC East will probably go down to the wire with the Redskins and the Eagles. Yeah. Just because I don't, they they just might be hovering around each other, but it may not be as 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 an exciting of a finish as the NFC North or the AFC South. Really quickly, I said earlier that um, quarterbacks can't fill holes. There are a couple exceptions to that rule. Tom Brady's one of them, Aaron Rodgers is one of them, and Andrew Luck is one of them because Luck took some pretty bad Colts teams to AFC championships. So I, I wanted to make that clear. Ryan Tannehill is not one of those quarterbacks, but, <laughs> but they do exist. They do exist. Um, but other than, other than those two, I'm not really sure if there's like a really like a really tight division. Unfortunately, the AFC East will once again not be close. But um, I could see maybe the AFC North going down to the wire. Mm-hmm. There's some pretty good teams the Ravens, I think, are very good, better better than their 4-3 and three record. I think the Bengals, I'm not really sure what they are. Their offense looks good, but sometimes their defense doesn't look so good. They also have this kind of attitude of being a dirty team. We'll, we'll sway right away <laughs> from that. The Steelers are always there. Maybe they get Le'Veon Bell back at some point. I'm a, I mean, I'm assuming he's going to come back if he wants to. To, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. It makes his James money. Connor is really good. <laughs> he's, he's played. James Connor's filled in admirably, mm-hmm. more than admirably for for the Steelers. So that that division could be exciting. I my guess is if I had to pick one, I would say the Ravens probably pull away with that, just because they have a more complete team. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Flacco looks good. He's got new weapons in Michael Crabtree and John Brown. So if I had to pick the one there, it would be the Ravens. But that, that would be the other division I would, I would highlight is the AFC North. I agree, and it's going to be really fun moving forward the rest of the year. I think we're going to close the book there. Uh, for a change, we didn't talk about weekly gambling lines on SPAD. I don't know if anything stands out to you guys. I don't know how often you, you look at the point spreads week after week. Anything stand out to you, Ethan? I did have a couple games. Uh, the Redskins are just one-point favorites on the road against the Giants. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Like I would, I would, I imagine the Redskins are going to win that game by more than just a point. I feel like Vegas knows something we don't yeah. with, with that line. Like I want to just, I saw that, and at first I thought the same thing, but it seems almost like a stay away. Like what do they, what do they know? I mean, the offensive line for the Giants and Eli Manning, they have both not looked good. The defense hasn't looked much better. Mm-hmm. I that just seems like a weird line. And then the Panthers are one and a half point underdogs at home against the Ravens. I was just talking up the Ravens, but. I still think the Panthers are a good team. They're 4-2, and two, and they're completely capable of making the playoffs. They have loads of talent with Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey and Devin Funchess and Greg Olson's now back. So that line also seemed a little weird. So I would, I would, if, those, if I was a betting man, I would, I would make those two bets. Of course, proverbial yes. uh, bets. Obviously, we do not condone gambling, as always, on SPAD, <laughs> but we um, certainly would like to offer our insights uh, regarding that. So I lied. We actually did talk about... Uh, gambling very briefly but good NFL discussion we'll close the book there move forward to our second segment a quick one but an update on the MLB World Series because we have a Dodgers fan here with Ethan well we'll get into that later Jess and I I think are both pretty neutral when it comes pretty neutral uh, to this series yeah yeah normally um I like to root for the underdog in situations um (laughs) hard to do in this series (laughs) I know um I guess the underdog would be the Dodgers in this situation especially coming off that loss uh last night and so yeah I mean I think it I think it'll still be a tight race between the two teams um, it's just very interesting that the Red Sox are so good against left-handed pitchers, and you know that seems to be the kind of thing that was the Dodgers' 
you know, something, the trick that they had up their sleeves. So I don't know if you guys want to comment on that. I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you, Ethan. Let's just get your, your take on yeah. what you've seen game one and your just general demeanor moving forward for the rest of this season. Or not season, rest of this series. Yeah, so game one was super interesting because I think a lot of people, including myself, thought it would be a really tight pitcher's duel between two of the best left-handers in the game with Clayton Kershaw and Chris Sale. It ended up not being that. Final score, 8-4. Kershaw gave up five runs. Chris Sale gave up three runs. Both just went uh, four innings. Kershaw pitched a little bit into the fifth, gave up a couple base runners. Those runners ended up scoring, which is why he is accounted for five runs. But it's, it's hard not to talk about the Clayton Kershaw in the postseason thing. He had, like, one thing people leave out when they talk about that is that he also has a string of really, really great starts in the postseason. He just also has these not-so-great starts or really poor starts. But it was, there, were, there were lots of opportunities for the Dodgers to, to get back into this game. Lots of missed, um, lots of runners left on base, and that's kind of been their Achilles heel all postseason. They, they really struggled uh, with that against the Brewers and somehow, somehow prevailed. So I, I'm never going to count this Dodgers team out. They are always in every single game that they play. Um, they just, if I had one key for them, I would say they have to uh, execute when they have runners in scoring position. I mean, it's just, it's just a must. They were able to tie the game last night, but then the Red Sox would come back and score a run, and then the Dodgers would tie, and then the Red Sox would come back and score a run. So they have to, they have to score runs when they're in a position to do that because the Red Sox, their offense doesn't sleep. They're going to be full steam ahead for the entire game and it's and the Dodgers the Dodgers have to answer yeah and I think the thing that's so interesting about this series especially is that each team is so deep and it seems like anyone in the order one through nine can change the game at any point and we saw that last night with Eduardo Nunez just coming in and just changing the game with a three-run homer and the Dodgers have guys like that too we saw it in last year's World Series but especially with these pitchers I mean tonight David Price is pitching for the Red Sox he's certainly had his history in the postseason so if ever that there this really seems like it's going to be an offensive heavy series minus the games where Sale and Kershaw are pitching but like you said even that who knows we saw last night it's no guarantees and so I think we're poised for a uh, a lot of games like we saw last night where you know one hitter who knows where they're going to be or where they're going to come from can change the game at any point and it's going to be based on these big offensive plays versus these dominant def- uh, you know pitching performances yeah I mean the it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a really even season, uh, series. I thought, I thought it would go maybe six. Now I'm thinking maybe seven, just because of how evenly evenly they played last night. I know the score says eight four, but no, really it was, it was yeah. it was contentious until the three run home run from Nunez. So it's gonna be a really tight series. I think I think offense will be on display just like it was in last year's World Series. It's it's a toss up. It's a toss up. Who who are you most afraid of on the Red Sox in terms of like a player that is gonna single handed could single handedly flip the series for them? Is it Mookie? That's a, that's is a really it JD Martinez? Question. It's it, it's probably one of those two guys just because with one swing of the bat they can completely change a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course that happened last night, but it wasn't from one of those guys. But I I would imagine that they're the big they are the biggest threats in in the Red Sox lineup, and the Dodgers have to be mindful of them and have to use their bullpen to put themselves in 
in positions where they can succeed. And I yeah. think that's one thing that the front office in LA and the and Dave Roberts really emphasizes is trying to get good matchups for his for his players. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see so many substitutions and um, calls to the bullpen. So it's that it would it would probably be JD or Mookie, but that whole offense, the whole lineup is potent and definitely. I mean, Benintendi is scary, too. Yeah. He four for five yesterday, three runs, and we know what he can do in the field. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it just seems like anyone in that lineup, anyone in the Dodgers at any given night. I'll put you on the spot, Jess. Uh, prediction for this series. So, uh, you know, it's going to be tight, and I, I think I'm going to have to go with the Red Sox. I'm not going to – no hot takes here, just playing it safe, just, you know. I, I'll, I'll root for the Dodgers because, like I said, I love an underdog, but um, – yeah, I think that there's just so many stats and things in the Red Sox favor. I mean, their records at home and against left-handed pitchers and things like that. I, I think I have to pick the Red Sox. Ethan? Yeah, the Red Sox are definitely, I would say, the safer bet. Um, I think once this moves to L.A., it's going to get really interesting because the National League game is so much different with pitchers having to hit yeah. for themselves. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how Alex Cora manages his bullpen, manages his lineup in a National League ballpark. Um, and if he does that successfully, I think that really swings momentum into the Red Sox' favor. If the Dodgers take a game tonight against David Price, who has struggled in the postseason, as you mentioned, Zach, maybe the Dodgers can use that. They would then have the home field advantage within a, you know, you could say a five-game series. Mm-hmm. They would have three games at home. So... It's it's a toss up. I told myself the Dodgers would win in six before the series started. I'm gonna things didn't go well for the Dodgers last night. I'm gonna say they win in seven. All right, I like it. I think that you brought up a good point with uh, AL teams playing in the uh, NL and you know having the Red Sox having to potentially move bets to second and JD in right field as someone who watched JD play right field for many years in Detroit can tell you it's not a pretty sight and that's certainly something that's gonna benefit the uh, the. Dodgers um, when that series goes to LA I'm still going to probably agree with Jess here and go Red Sox but I think you're right Ethan it's going to go seven games so Red Sox in seven I'm also pulling for the Dodgers simply because they ended the Brewers season and you know as someone who um, had a very close rooting interest with the Cubs this year I do not like the Brewers and I was very happy to see their season end so I'll leave it at that, and we'll move on now to our third segment, a very exciting segment. Um, I got to give a shout-out to Noah Kaufman, who was on the show last week and suggested this idea for this week. We didn't want to have him – we couldn't have him on back-to-back weeks, unfortunately, so I'll, I'll have to settle for a shout-out. But in honor of the World Series, we're going to stick with baseball, but with a little bit of a twist in classic fad fashion. The segment is we are going to draft – each draft an MLB lineup. The catch is we are going to be using players – from different sports. So you're picking a baseball lineup using NFL, NBA, NHL pools of players. So I specified in the rules, the rationale can be absolutely whatever you want. Cannot emphasize enough, it does not have to make sense. That it will be, uh, I, it's great if someone like uh, Jameis Winston played baseball in college, cool, but that's not really what, that we're, that's not the angle that we need to take necessarily. You can get as creative as you want. If we overlap picks, that's fine. We're just going to kind of rotate, um, starting with pitchers and moving, uh, you know, moving down the list. We're each going to give our picks. But I'll start with you, Jess. Your first pick um, as for your uh, for your baseball lineup. Who did who did you select? Well, I went with a theme for my 
uh, lineup, and so I kind of went with a goon squad. So my team might not be able to beat you at baseball, but we can beat you in a bench-clearing brawl. So my pitcher is going to be Quentin Nelson, from, Quentin Nelson from the Colts. He's huge, he's tough, and I would not want to get in a fight with him. So he's your pitcher? Yep. Okay, got it. Offensive guard, you think that there's any uh, correlation, like sometimes those bigger pitchers, more momentum? That's exactly stuff, what I was thinking. Along those I lines. didn't, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Okay, Ethan, who's your pitcher? I'm going to... I'm going to go with the breakout star of the NFL, Patrick Mahomes. He played baseball in high school and was a reliever for uh, Texas Tech in his freshman year. He's just got a cannon of an arm, and his dad pitched in the major leagues. I'm going to, I'm going to sway a little bit more towards baseball because I'm such a diehard baseball <laughs> fan. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, on the mound, I, I can't imagine facing him. It's, that'd be tough. He's pretty terrifying. I don't know if he could win in a fight against a Quentin Nelson type. But probably, I think probably not. Probably <laughs> not. But I think he's bringing the heat though, and uh, probably a good batter too. I would say, like I, I don't see any reason why um, he wouldn't be able to, you know, hit for like a two fifty average in the yeah. nine hole. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna. I, I was thinking similar along similar lines as you, Ethan. But in no surprise, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers as my pitcher. I strongly considered Mahomes. He might actually have a stronger arm than Rodgers. I hate to say that. Rodgers is still more accurate, still a better quarterback, still more athletic. Have to get that in there always. Um, if, I'm, if I have one negative thing, I have to say two positive things. But um, the reason I think that tilted the scale for me is I want a pitcher who's not going to be phased. I want a pitcher who's going to be able to pitch into the ninth inning and be just as good as he was to start the game. And in Rodgers' case, you know, I think he may actually – he may not bring it the first, like, three innings, but come that seventh, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine innings – um, Rodgers is bringing it, and he's the closer. He's been the closer in the NFL, um, and he's the kind of guy where I think he'd be able to go the distance in a game. He has that clutch gene, and that's what I like to see. So he's my pitcher. Uh, <laughs> moving, moving, moving on to your catcher, Jess, who, who did you pick? All right, so sticking with the theme, I have Jadavian Clowney from the Texans. I just wouldn't want him behind me whispering things in my ear and scaring me. Yeah, he's pretty terrifying. I think he's also a kind of guy that you could see hitting, like, 30 home runs, like 900 OPS, something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just such a big guy. I mean, I would assume making contact, that ball is going to go a long way. Absolutely terrifying. Plays at the plate. Like, who's, who's trying to bulldoze Clowney? I think that's a good pick. Ethan, who's your catcher? My catcher is Los Angeles Kings goalie Jonathan Quick. <laughs> he's one of the best goalies in the NHL. He has led the Kings to two Stanley Cups in his career. He has incredibly quick hands and reflexes, so I imagine he'd be good at blocking balls in the dirt. And at 32 years old and a veteran uh, professional athlete, I feel like he's the kind of guy that could anchor a pitching staff, especially a young guy like Patrick Mahomes. I feel like he could settle him down in pivotal spots and just, you know, tell him, breathe, you got this. So Jonathan Quick is my catcher. I like that pick too. And I'm really not just going to agree with all your picks, but I... I uh... <laughs> I considered Clowney on my team. I considered a hockey goalie. I think that is yeah, the move good, that was smart. for catcher. I still didn't want to do it just because uh, <laughs> I really like the person I came up with here, even though hockey goalie I think is the might be the logical most logical choice. choice. Yeah, I would say so. So I want a player who's great defensively, player who is unselfish and is willing to help his teammates out, make them better, and kind of be the general who is uh, directing everybody. But the real thing I'm looking for is that defense. You've got to have a good defensive catcher. So I went with Draymond Green. Best, best defensive player in the NBA, I think. 
no disrespect to Kawhi Leonard, okay. but um, in terms of making your teammates better too, I think yeah. Draymond is someone who will be able to do that. He's fine hitting anywhere in the order. He doesn't have to have the glory. He can be, you know, hitting in my eight hole or in my nine spot and, uh, you know, consistently get on base. And then, you know, we mentioned it with Clowney, but like a play at the plate, I'm not messing with J- Draymond Green. No way. So uh, I think he's got that verse. I think he's he's got that uh, defensive prowess that I like to see in a catcher. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go, uh, I'm, pay, I'm taking Draymond Green. And I think he's a great motivator too. Like if I ever was on the mound and Draymond Green came out for a mound visit and said, you got this, I think he would get me so fired up. Yeah. And I would I would be so ready <laughs> for that next at bat. I would, oh man, he'd be, he'd be a great teammate. <laughs> that, that was my logic there. Moving on to first base, you could go a lot of different directions here. So I'm curious, Jess, who is your pick as a first baseman? Uh, I went with, so for, um, for my first baseman, I went with Brad Marchand from the Boston Bruins, just because, you know, he might lick you and that might throw you off, and <laughs> yeah, that's why I went with him. All right. I'm not, I can't say I knew a lot about Brad Marchand before uh That's fine. I don't like him. the Bruins, so okay. I, I have a vendetta against him. That's I will, why I know about him. I'll <laughs> question you on this. I, I just looked him up. 5'9", height. Are you, you know, at first base, are you confident that he's so good defensively that, uh, you know, I see he's a left wing, not a defender. You know, you are know, you worried that you, the first baseman's a little short? Now that you mention it, that's probably something I should have considered. But I think I, I still – I'm going to stick with my pick. Got to do that. You got to have confidence. Yeah. Uh, Ethan, I'll move on to you, your first baseman. So, once again, I'm going to go uh, in the hockey direction. And I'm not a big hockey fan, I'll admit that. Um, but I'm going to go with Steven Stamkos. I do know that he is one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. He led the Very league so. in 2010 and 2012. Um, there, but there are a lot of talented goal scorers in the NHL. So to make my selection, um, I found out that Stamkos had the highest slap shot rating on the NHL 19 video game. Nice. So I think he could bri- provide some power to my lineup out of maybe like the four hole or the five hole. Um, also, he grew up in uh, Markham, Ontario, which is about an hour away from Toronto. So maybe he was a Blue Jays fan growing up. There you go. Who knows? That slap shot rating is just great. That's yes. the kind of uh, that's a kind of bad content. <laughs> yeah, where does he where does he rank in this video game? That's that's great. Yeah, I'm I did not take any hockey players on my roster just as a forewarning. I think that Stamkos is a great pick, and I lo- I like the idea of um, getting like a goalie in there. I just personally didn't do it, so sorry to disappoint any hockey fans. I'm not going to have any hockey players on here. But my first baseman was JJ Watt. I think okay. I really I really played into that. I want like a good defensive player, obviously one of the best defense, defensive players the NFL's ever seen. I want someone who you know first base. You got to be tall. You got to be able to block, uh, or you got to be able to block a ball if it if it's going to get by you. And we've seen JJ Watt be able to catch passes in the past. Uh, you know he's got some reps as a tight end in goal line situations. And in terms of power, I think he's exactly what I'm looking for in a four hitter. Yeah, I think that uh, and and so. I want the power, I want the good defense, and you know, I want that size at first base and that intimidation factor. If a guy gets on, J.J. Watt's in your ear talking to you, um, that's, that's terrifying. So that, that's who I, I picked uh, as my first baseman. Moving on to second base, Jess, I'm, I'm interested. Who, what, what was the logic here, second <laughs> so base? So I, I went with all hockey players for my first, second, and third baseman. Okay. Um, I went with Milan Lucic from the Edmonton Oilers um, as my second baseman. And, again, just – Honestly, my rationale for all of these players was just mean, nasty players. You got it. Got to be uh, gritty. You got to be intimidating. Uh huh. So what, what? And he's six three. So six I'm, three. There you go. <laughs> so maybe you could. You have that versatility where you know him and Mon- Marchand could uh, rotate a little bit and uh, yeah. 
you know, totally. play different positions. Of course. I love it. Ethan, second baseman. So once again, uh, I'm showing off my affinity for baseball. Um, I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. Uh, he uh, was an extremely good an obvious choice. Uh, high school second baseman, and he had all that media coverage when he was reporting for spring training for the Rangers and more recently the New York Yankees. Um, but he's just an extremely talented baseball player, and I think he could settle into that two-hole in my lineup and just, you know, give me good at-bats. Give me that baseball experience that I really want from my two-hole hitter that, you know, get on base or move a runner over. Can't go wrong there. It's way too logical of a thing. <laughs> I know. Wait, I know. Wait, it makes way it too makes much so sense. Much I, had, sense. <laughs> I had Stephen Stamkos and the NHL rating, and then I went <laughs> to a logical like on the other Russell end Wilson. of the spectrum. It's hard, to, it's hard to criticize, though, because obviously Russell Wilson's a great baseball player. I went with a different direction. My second baseman, I chose Chris Paul. I just, you know, I, I really wanted a point guard to be in that uh, second base spot, and I was between him and Russ because I think both of them could also be solid, like three 300 hitters who could hit the top of my order but also get on base consistently if they got moved down and ultimately I went with Chris Paul because I think he's a better team player than Westbrook I think he's someone who you know you want kind of that gritty second baseman type and he's someone who's definitely going to um, give it his all try to turn every double play and uh, but also you know bring bring that offensive uh, consistency so I, I, that's kind of why I was leaning toward Chris Paul there and it will make more sense when I give the rest of my infield he might have some chemistry with some of the other players yeah. I don't know if uh, Rajon Rondo would agree with that whole teammate. Thing. No, yeah. <laughs> Good news is Rajon Rondo wasn't even considered for, uh, for my team. I don't know. I, I won't spoil your guys' team in case Rondo <laughs> slid in there anywhere, maybe in the outfield or something. But moving on, Jess, who did you have as your third baseman? Uh, I have Andrew Shaw from the Montreal Canadiens. I don't think I need to explain it. He's just me. All right. <laughs> fits, fits the team uh, motto so far. Yep. Again, I don't know if any of these guys could beat you at baseball, but I'm sure that you would not want to get punched in the face by any of them. You don't want to mess with them in, in the field. and. Uh... Yeah, I think that there's enough fighting in baseball that, you know, the <laughs> hockey players would do really well. And if there's not, I mean, this team may not be able to change the script. Yeah. yeah. Ethan, who'd you have as your third baseman? As my third baseman, I went with one of the best defenders in the NBA, and that is Victor Oladipo. He has arguably the quickest hands on defense. He led the league. Uh, in uh, last year with 177 steals. And so manning that hot corner where you need to have quick reflexes, I think Oladipo is my guy. Yeah, I kind of went in a similar vein. I, I just took LeBron James. I think that third base, you need that kind of guy to step up. You need to have great reflexes, a great arm, be kind of that alpha. And I, I, that's why LeBron, I think, provides everything there. He's going to be my two hitter in the lineup, just someone who is kind of good at everything. He reminds me of like, you know, this segment's version of a Chris Bryant does everything really well, and um, it's hard to, like, find a lot of holes in LeBron's basketball game, and I can only assume it would translate to uh, playing third base for my fictional baseball team. Jess, moving on now to shortstop. Are, you, are we going to get a similar... Uh... Yes, you are. Okay. Um, we have, for shortstop, Vontaze Perfect from the Bengals. <laughs> the, I want to say the dirtiest player in the NFL, one of. And um, I don't know how agile he is. I don't even know if he could get the ball to where it needs to be, but he's my guy. I mean, if someone tries to do, like, a takeout slide on a double play, Vontez Perfect, you know, is not putting up with that. He's, exactly. So, I mean, I, I mean that's, you've got that going for you, which is good. 
Ethan, who do you have at shortstop? Um, once again, I looked at defensive guards in the NBA, and I, I'm going to go with John Wall on this one. Big John Wall guy. Love John Wall. He may have had one of the worst first pitches of all time. You can look this up on YouTube. It is, it is terrible. But I think his quick hands, his lateral movement, his ability to move on defense would be really important with his range at shortstop, anchoring the middle of the infield. John Wall's my shortstop. I think he's. I think he'd he'd be a great defender. I agree. I I think that I would be more inclined to uh, do a takeout slide on John Wall versus Vontez Perfect, <laughs> but uh, the range argument's a good one, and that's kind of what I, where I was going with um, with my shortstop selection. I went with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo because I don't know if there's a ball you could hit. You know, the, if you try to hit a uh, ball through the gap of short and second, Giannis is just going to get there because he has a ridiculously long wingspan and he can take two steps and all of a sudden a ball that looks like it's going up the gap Giannis is taking it and just throwing it to first and I think that you know so you've got Le- you got LeBron at third and Giannis at short I don't know if you're getting a ball through anywhere there just because of that the wingspans the athleticism the quickness I realize it's not common I ran this idea by uh, Matt McHugh last night he said there's not a lot of seven-foot shortstops. I was going to say, that I would be informed. a very tall left side of the infield. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, we, we also haven't, we haven't seen it not work. Haven't seen a lot That's of seven-foot shortstops. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to just test it out and hope that Giannis <laughs> can uh, shatter the mold and uh, kind of give me that versatility at uh, shortstop. He's also my leadoff hitter because I think he'll beat out every ground ball because he can take two steps and he'll be at first base. Moving on to the outfield, yeah. we'll see if... Uh, uh, can I give you all three at once? Go for it. All right, so for my three outfielders, since we were talking about fighting, and, you know, I have Rajon Rondo, Chris Paul, oh. and Brandon Ingram. There you go. I figured, put him in the outfield. They're far <laughs> away from each other, but, like, if they need to get into it, they can. And you're not worried about them accidentally... Fighting each other? Yeah. I did consider it, but, um, you know... If it happens, it happens. Okay, there you <laughs> I'm go. I'm sure that someone on the other team would get in the middle of it at some point. Gotcha. Yeah. Punches <laughs> just being thrown all over the place. That's yeah. such a this is that such a better idea than my my picks. But <laughs> I love it. Just putting three players who hate each other out in the outfield. Yeah, and... exactly. Ethan... Hopefully, it means they stick to their position. Exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, in, as my left fielder. I'm gonna go with John Ross. He ran a 4.2240 mm-hmm. uh, at the NFL Combine, which is the fastest to date. And I just think he would be such an effective base stealer and yeah. cover so much ground in the outfield um, as my left fielder that I'm not so much worried about his arm strength by putting him in left field. And just if he can get on base, he may steal second and then steal third, and then I've got a runner in scoring position within two pitches. And that's just the type of electric ability and electric speed that John Ross has. I agree. John Ross, when I was thinking through this, would have been, not that I made this an option, but my designated pinch runner. Gotcha. You know, like the, to use another Cubs comparison, the Terrence Gore yeah. comes in in the eighth inning when you need a base stolen, and he's going to steal it. I, um, so he didn't make my, my actual lineup, but I would have him on the roster, the 25-man Definitely. roster. Let's get the rest of your outfield all at once. Yeah, sure. So center fielder, I have Odell Beckham Jr., I think. Makes sense. He's the king of one-handed catches, and so mm-hmm. I imagine that would translate to uh, to the baseball diamond. Um, he's got a combination of speed, strength, jumping ability, um, and his hands that I would think it would just be an elite defensive center fielder. Um, and there was also a video of him this past summer of him taking some swings in batting practice, and he honestly looked 
he looked good. Yeah. He looked decent, so I would I would say I would say he could he could hold his own. And then my right fielder, I I do have one of your players as my right fielder. I want someone that has a cannon, and nobody has a cannon like Aaron Rodgers. So he would be <laughs> he would be my right fielder, throwing out guys at third and home. That's great. And I actually had Odell as my left fielder um, for similar reasons. I also think, um, as you mentioned, his his batting, and I can only imagine in true Odell like got to bring the flash and he seems like the kind of guy that is all or nothing he might strike out every other at bat but the ones he's not striking out he's either he's hitting it over an outfielder's head he's gonna go for the swing for the fences every time just because that's the kind of personality it seems like Odell uh would bring to a baseball diamond definitely actually oh my right fielder was Odell just because I think that uh you know he needed he needed more of that range and then my center fielder was Antonio Brown so that right side of the field is just going to be completely locked down with just quick great two of the best receivers in the league um i like them being able to work well together being able to uh, make these flashy uh, diving catches in the field and then changing it up i didn't want to go all receivers but i still wanted a good pass catcher but someone who might be able to add a little more power to my lineup in left field and so i went with gronk oh nice i think gronk is hitting in three in my uh, batting order right in front <laughs> of jj watt and the two of them are just going to be absolutely terrifying he may not have the best range but that's why we have you know we'll be able to have Odell play right. We can move tone over to uh, you know a little bit left center territory, and uh, yeah, and Gronk's bringing the power in left field. Yeah, we really uh, we got in in depth with that outfield. Yeah, I like the different directions we all took here. <laughs> if I had taken this seriously, for the record, I also probably would have had OBJ on my thing. Uh, originally, I considered do- taking this seriously. I think I it was like, so no, much fun. No, <laughs> I'm your outfield is direction to, to have fun with it and like make it just some violent team that you would just never. Yeah, wanna... I think it says a lot about me as a person. So. <laughs> I think if we were to, we might. I don't know if we were to tweet these lineups out. I'm. Really scared that Jess's team would like, get the win, most win the votes just because vote. just because of the just the sheer size and <laughs> and uh, fear that they would instill yes yes in opponents 100%. I mean like I would not as a pitcher I would or as as the manager of this team I would I would instruct uh, Patrick Mahomes to just never hit one of the yeah. guys because <laughs> not even on accident no. you not do, even you just on, get out just like all outside pitches because that would just be a mess oh. yeah I completely agree and that outfield is. I would just try to hit every ball to the outfield and hope that like they fight over who gets it between yeah. Rondo, Paul, and Ingram. That was a risky choice there, but... Moving on now to our final segment. It's the lightning round. Ten questions each. We're going to do rock, paper, scissors to decide who goes first. Okay. All right. On shoot? Yes. Okay. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Okay. Right, so they both went with scissors first to fill the viewers in who obviously could not see it. Ethan went with paper on the second round to beat Chess's rock. So you have the option to take the first set of questions or defer to the defer second. To the second. Yeah. Mm, wow. <laughs> Tough choice. I think I might have taken the first set of questions uh, last Trying time. Trying to remember. All I have is that you are 1-0 and you dropped a 14 on your first uh, lightning round, which I don't have the numbers in like in front of me, but I think that's the best start anyone's ever had. Well, I'm going to take the first set of questions. Again. You're just going to go for it, okay? Yes. And how this works, Jess, is you'll have a seal to use. So there's there's an easy set of three easy questions worth one point, three medium worth two, okay. three hard worth three, and then a Wisconsin sports special, which is going to be just a random Wisconsin question I found worth four points. Okay. You can use your steal on anyone Ethan gets wrong. Some people like to just use it on an easy one, get those points. Some people try to save it and get as many points as possible. Okay. That's up to you. So I'll, I'll fill you in on that before. Your first easy question, Ethan. Which two pitchers started game one of last night's World Series? 
Uh, it was Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers and Chris Sale for the Red Sox. That is correct. One point for Ethan. Your second easy question. Which two NBA point guards had an on-court altercation that has continued in the media this week? Uh, Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo. That is correct. Two for two. Two points. Your third easy question. You should get this one. Which team traded for Amari Cooper? Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. That is correct. Three, uh, three for three on the easy questions. Your first two-point medium question. Who scored two goals, including an overtime winner against the Oilers on Tuesday night? Oh, man. I, I mentioned earlier that I am not a hockey guy. Mm-hmm. Um, who scored two goals and an overtime winner? I'm going to say Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Was not Austin Matthews. Mm. Jess, would you like to? Uh, I steal? said I was a hockey person, and I don't think I know the answer to this one. So well, you can save it then. I'll save it. Yeah. All right. It was Sidney Crosby. That would have been. Figures. That would have been a yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. Austin Matthews also a good bet. Though. He. I was. So. I was looking at goal scorers in the NHL this year when I was picking my, my lineup, and I saw <laughs> that he led the led the league. So that was, it was worth a shot. Good worth logic, shot. at least. Yeah. Second medium question. I didn't write these questions. This one is pretty easy. But who, which, uh, which team won on Saturday, hosting its first ever college game day? Oh, Washington State. It was Washington State. So two points brings your total to five. And your third medium question, question six, which team was upset for the second straight week on Saturday, losing to Levante 2-1? Oh, man. I'm not a soccer guy, so apologies. Also not a soccer guy. Oh. I'm going to say Real Madrid. Good guess. It was Real Madrid. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Really lucky. I'll admit that. Really lucky. Incredible. Shot in the dark. Seven points through six questions. Just if you're going to use the steal, it's going to have to be on one of the uh, big pointers. So uh, question seven, your first hard question. Who the game winner for the Spurs after LeBron missed two free throws? Who hit the game winner for the Spurs? Oh, Patty Mills. It was Patty Mills. Ten points now. Your second hard question. Question eight. Who is the new number one golfer in the world after winning the CJ Cup on Sunday? Oh, man. Winning the CJ Cup? I don't know. Brooks Kepka. <laughs> it was Brooks Kepka. Oh, God. God. I'm... Oh, God. Wow. Wow. He yeah. may not even give you a chance to steal one, Jess. I don't... I'm, yeah. getting, I'm getting lucky here. Uh, <laughs> I swear. Those, I've had two really lucky ones. The lightning round record is 19 you are in a position if you get these next two to get 20 okay it's not gonna be easy though not gonna be easy but i'll it's worth a shot Let's i'm kind of rooting for him right now <laughs> i don't think i can you've completely you, taken <laughs> the competitive element out with this dominant performance question nine your third hard question which former syracuse commit turned down the new g league contract to become a one million dollar new balance intern i believe it was darius Baisley. that is correct 16 points for ethan wow you got to get the Wisconsin Sports Special to get to 20. You can also use a steal on um, one of Jess's questions. Uh, play that right. You could tie the record if it's a hard one. Okay. Um, this one's not going to be easy. Okay. How many points has Milwaukee Bucks first-round pick Dante DiVincenzo <laughs> scored in his first three games with the Bucks? Total? Total, and I'll give you like a three-point buffer on either side okay i'm gonna say 26 is incorrect it was not 26 jess you may as well guess because you won't be able to use the steel you know something about the number 16 sounds good right now it was 17 oh do i get the the three point buffer 
I'll take one off, so I'll give you three points. Fair enough. Three point go. steal for okay. Jess. Ethan's sitting at 16 after his round. Jess, though, with Whew. three points with the steal. That's pretty uh, it's good value using the steal, even though you didn't really have a choice. <laughs> didn't have a choice. That's fine. We'll see how you, how you do on your first lightning round. Uh, I'll be happy go. if I get a couple easy questions right. <laughs> there you go. Question one, who upset number two Ohio State on Saturday? Uh, Purdue. That is correct. Easy one, yep. Four points for Jess, your second Easy question. Who defeated Manchester United in the Champions League on Tuesday? Oh, gosh. Soccer. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Um, Manchester United. uh, In the Champions League, though. Champions League. I'll give you a hint because it's an easy question. Oh. So it it doesn't have to be an EPL team. Doesn't help me that much, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I know nothing about soccer. Yeah. um, No. 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 You want to use it on an easy nothing. question? I'm not going to use it on an easy question. I'm going to I'm going to go for the title. Gotcha. Yeah. It was Juventus, team in Italy. I think they have Ronaldo. I don't really They care. Do, they do have Ronaldo. Yes. Great. <laughs> Hopefully no more soccer questions on here. <laughs> if your third hard question or your third easy, easy, easy question, yeah. uh, who dropped the first 50-point game of the NBA season in a win on Tuesday? Shoot, I don't know. Um I have not been watching sports much this week because I got a couple midterms coming up. All good. Um, last night, don't know who played. Just going to go with Steph Curry because he's the only person coming to mind. It's a good guess. It was not Steph Curry, though. Um, you don't, you don't want to use it. I'm not going to use my steal. Yeah. It was Blake Griffin. Uh, I knew Against that. Against the Sixers, yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, my gosh. First medium question, question four. Which team was ranked first in the college basketball preseason AP Top 25 poll? Uh, Alabama? Uh, basketball. Oh, basketball. Sorry. Uh, that, I, yeah, I don't know that one either. It's usually either Duke or Louisville. I'll go with Duke. Duke's a good guess. It unfortunately was not Duke. It was Kansas. Ah, okay. Wow, really? Yeah. I thought it was Duke. Yeah, Given I would have guessed Duke, class. too. It's oh, always, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm fact-checking sure right. our, our lightning round correspondent here, but... Yeah, Kansas leads. Wow, that's okay. a stunner. I, w- I was surprised by that, especially because I think they lost some players too. But they did beat Duke in the Elite Eight last year. So, Your second medium question, who kicked a 59-yard game-winning field goal to sink the Browns in overtime this week? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. Oh, shoot. No, Randy Bullock. What team is he on now? Randy Bullock's on the – is it the Titans? I think he's on the Bengals now. Oh, uh, okay. It was not Randy Bullock. It was uh, Chandler Catanzaro. No. He missed a 40-yarder to um, win the game before regulation, but then hit a almost 60-yarder in overtime, okay. so in true Browns fashion. Um, <laughs> Browns. Baseball question for uh, question for your awesome. final hard question. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Who was introduced on Monday as the new L.A. Angels manager? That's a tough one. I mean, yeah, Do you know it? I do know it, but yeah. that's, that's, that's a tough one. <sighs> yeah, nope. Brad Ausmus okay. was the... Uh, um, is the new manager of the Angels. Okay. This one, hockey, hard question, can get you right back in it. Ah. Uh. First hard question worth three points. Question seven, which two top draft picks in the NHL draft from 2016 square off tonight in the Leafs-Jets matchup? Uh, I get... don't follow draft picks that much. We've talked about one of them. That's oh, you yeah. said Matt, was his name uh, Matthews? Okay, but I don't know the Austin other one, Matthews. so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know, don't know the other one. Patrick Lane. I wouldn't have gotten that. I would not have gotten that. Yeah, I don't know my Winnipeg players. Question eight is uh, another hard one. <laughs> this is brutal. Uh, what event is happening right now in women's tennis? Oh my in god! In women's tennis? Yeah. 
Well, I know that the um, Women's Tennis Association tournament just happened, right? I'm guessing that's what the WTA finals yeah. is. That is it, yes. I'm gonna and I know that um, Osaka lost. That is correct. No. I wouldn't have gotten it. I also would not have gotten it. So, question nine. This is worth three. I used to play. <laughs> Setting it up, it's 16-7. Ethan secured the win, but he can also go for the record here if he gets – he can tie the record if he gets this question or save it for the Wisconsin Sports Special, get four, potentially break the record with 20. This one's creative. I'm going to give you one point for each team you can name because that was the instructions I was given by the person who made this. October 18th, 2018, last Thursday – was a four-sport equinox, but also a six-sport equinox counting college football and MLS. You get one point. I'll cap it at three for naming a game, a game that was happening on Thursday between any of the, like, four sports going Any on. of them? Yeah, so Thursday. Oh, gosh. Last Thursday? Mm-hmm. My brain right now. Okay. Well, the easiest thing to do would be to remember the Thursday night game and... Um, I can't remember who was playing right now. I'm trying to rack my brain. Gosh, I'm having such a mental block right now. Lightning round can do that to you. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I've fallen apart. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. And I can't, shoot, I remember reading about the Equinox. And there was baseball happening too. The Red Sox were playing the Astros. Yep, that was one of them. So that's one point. Okay. Different sport now. <sighs> so you can get NHL, NBA, NFL. Or if you feel like going for the MLS or the college game that was going on. Have fun with that. My mind is just like totally blank. Yeah, I don't know. All good. Moves your total to eight. Can get up to 12. Very respectable first lightning round performance if the person you're playing isn't chasing records. (laughs) Um, So the Green Bay Packers have had their number two and number three receivers, Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, miss time lately. Name the two receivers who have filled in for them on the depth chart. I'll give you partial credit, so two points if you can name one of them, four points if you can name both of them. Oh, God, the Packers. <laughs> what do I know about the Packers? How well do you know the Packers' wide receiver depth chart? I mean, four I points. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Four <laughs> points is, you, know, you can't just hand out four points. You know, That's you gotta, fair. I completely understand. I don't know the Packers' depth chart. I got to watch more Packers games, huh? Mm-hmm. I also... Got to watch more Thursday night football, don't I? Yeah, it was Broncos-Cardinals. That was a Thursday night game. Gosh. I almost forgot that, too, because I don't yeah, think I watched it a was minute not, of it. I think I game. was watching it. I totally was. And Oh, God. You yeah, want to throw, throw I, a guess out there? I wouldn't even know who to guess. Okay. Yeah. Ethan, a lot of pressure here. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, obviously this is my chance to steal, but, like, I don't even know who to guess to the problem is. I play fantasy football, right? So I saw one of them. Yeah, on the waiver wire. He has a hyphen in his last name. He does. And that is all I know. And I think his first name starts with an M. That's true. Oh, my God. Oh, this is stressful. I'm trying to go for the record here, and I just don't know. Come on, I want you to get it. I want me to get it, too. (laughs) But this is, like, I don't even know who to guess. Like, I literally, like, cannot, like, put together, like, three names for one guy. It's and so then, hard when you're just, there's like nothing. There's just nothing. They like, each have like a two-part last Oh, names. God. Like I said, four Oh, points. wait, I do know one of them. One of them is uh, Equinemius St. Brown. That's one. Oh, my God. Okay. Two what a name. That. You're oh. up to 18. Gosh, I, you're going to say it because I don't, I don't know what to guess. Like, yeah. Is his first name Michael? No, it is yeah. not Michael. Then, yeah, I would say I don't know it. 
All right. Well, I was the one who had the lightning round record before I was host, so oh, it looks gotcha. like I'm keeping it, and I'm keeping it because of Marquez Valdez Scantling. God, there's just no way of, I was going to get that. <laughs> product out of South Florida, a fifth-round draft pick. Shout out Marquez Valdez Scantling for uh, <laughs> having me keep the lightning round record. Great effort, Ethan. Oh. Uh, Ethan takes the win 18-8. to eight. Jess does it the unconventional way of getting a three-point steal, <laughs> one, on the, one of the hey, hard get questions. Him, get them any way you can. Exactly. Um, very respectable. Great lightning round performance all around. Not an easy set of questions. So two solid performances. I know what to expect next time. Exactly. Yeah, I, think, I think Ethan did get some questions that, you know, I would have liked. I also think I got, like, two huge guesses right. I think I said Real Madrid True. was one of them. Yeah. Like, just complete guess. Mm-hmm. And then Brooks Kepka was also just a <laughs> I huge yeah. guess. That's yeah. five yeah. points you just pulled out of nowhere. Yeah. So, either way, great all-around show. Covered a lot of ground here. Yeah. Thank you, Ethan and Jess, for coming on. We will be live for our next show uh, during WNUR's Sportsathon Friday night around the 11.30 midnight range. So, uh, be sure to tune into that for our next edition of Sports Voice After Dark. In the meantime, have a great week.